Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live. Pittsburgh Steeler fans, it is time once again. You know it. It is time for Here We Go, the Steelers pregame show. Yes, the Steelers are on a two-game winning streak. Can it go further? And if it does, it's going to be the toughest opponent of the year, like it always is twice a year, the Baltimore Ravens. Let's break it all down. And to break it down, we've got to have the best in the business. And he is KT Smith. He is the coach. He knows X's and O's and everything that goes on in the locker room to make a team successful. Kevin, what is up? Nothing, Brian. Uh, I, I enjoyed when you just said two game winning streak. And those are, that might seem like small potatoes to some people. And it wasn't that long ago where, where the Steelers had an 11 game winning streak, but, but that feels like that actually feels like eons ago now, you know, and, uh, so I'm really happy that they could string a couple of, of wins back to back, uh, on the road, big growth, uh, opportunity for Kenny Pickett. So a lot to be excited about right now. So there's a lot of things that went on in that game, Kevin, and we want to go ahead and break that down before we get to Ravens week. And that is the most important thing, but what happened in that game do you think that made the Steelers successful and winning, especially having a nice comfortable lead on the scoreboard that got dwindled down to nothing. I thought that they got out of the gate fast. I thought the opening drive of the ball game on offense where they held the ball for over seven and a half minutes, basically half the first quarter. And 
they had a 16 play drive and it ended up in a field goal because of, you know, some self-inflicted wounds that continued to plague them on offense, particularly and thing you know, the stuff that they're going to have to get over if they're going to beat a good team like Baltimore. But, but that opening drive against Atlanta really gave them some early success on offense and they were able to run the ball early and, by being able to run the ball, they could take some things off of Kenny Pickett's plate. He didn't. They didn't ask him uh, to to convert really hard downs. He didn't have to convert third and twelves. Uh, he had to convert third and three, third and four, and you know those are those are situations where, as a coach, you you have a lot of play calls that you like and calls that you you feel comfortable with. You practice a lot, and Pickett had some nice conversions there. A couple of them to Pat Fryermuth, who who has really just sort of elevated his game and. So being able to run the ball, get some confidence out of the gate early on, uh, get a couple of stops on defense and turn the ball back over uh, to the Steelers and sustain drives, that's a perfect recipe for winning on the road. Well, let's talk about the offense first. And it seemed like, yeah, they they were moving the ball well. Of course, on the first couple of drives, they were not getting it in the end zone, but they finally did. There were some opportunities. It looked like that the Steelers had chances to score, but they had to go with Matthew Wright instead and get those crucial field goals on the board. At least po- points are better than no points. But the big thing is the fact how it was done. And when you have a running game that's moving the ball, then in the fourth quarter and even the third quarter, you know, they're stalling. Is that a case of maybe the fact that adjustments weren't made because they didn't have to be made or the fact that the Falcons over adjusted and they adjusted better? It was a game of two halves. I mean, the Steelers really dominated the first half and they were ahead at, at halftime 16 to three, but it felt like it should have been more because of some of those missed opportunities on the first drive. It, it's funny. It's, it's always little things. It's, you, you look at the film and it, it, it's rarely things that leap out at you. Like on the first drive, they've got a first and 10 at the Atlanta 15 yard line and they run a read option play where, where they run an inside trap to Najee Harris and, but Pickett has the ability to read the end. And if, and if the end comes crashing down, he can pull the ball and run to the edge. And the end did come crashing down, but the, the Steelers blocked it. And they actually blocked it wonderfully. And had he given the ball to Harris, Harris is probably going to score. He's at, he's at least going to make seven, eight yards, and he might score. Um, but Kenny Pickett sees the end come down, and he pulls the ball. But what he fails to diagnose is they're, off, they're also sending a safety blitz off that same edge. So he pulls the ball, and he runs right into an unblocked safety, and it's a five-yard loss. And now the Steelers are on second and fifteen. And they can't recover, and they kick the field goal. And on their second drive, again, they go down the field, and Pickett's got a shot for a touchdown to Pat Fryermuth, and he just misses him. Uh, and then on on the third down play, Deontay Johnson drops a ball that he should have caught that would have been a first down. So, so you get these little things that that you know accumulate, and now you've had to settle for two field goals. You could have had 14 points. You've got six. That's an eight-point swing. And the NFL, man, you can't leave eight points on the board. So – so after halftime, you know, Atlanta decides that they're going to commit to running the ball themselves. And that now they do in the second half what the Steelers had done in the first half. And it sort of flipped the script. What Atlanta really did in their run game is they attacked the edge. They, they had very little success running the ball up the middle. I thought Ilario Ogunjobi was great. Uh, Cam Hayward played, you know, his typical, his typical game. But in the second half, 
they began to, to get to the football to the edge running outside zone and a little bit of speed option and just some, just, a, you know, he, they threw in a couple toss sweeps and, and they were doing a great job of blocking the Steelers, uh, you know, safeties and outside backers. And I thought Devin Bush really struggled. So I think Atlanta at halftime, you know, probably went and looked at their first half strategy, saw that they weren't getting an inside run game going and, and then went to the outside run game. And that really kind of flipped the script. But I will say this one more thing real quick. When the Steelers had the lead there, uh, they're up 1916 and they have the football deep in their own territory uh, and they need to, they need to drive the ball out of harm's way. They, they took a good four and a half, five minutes off the clock and drove the ball out past midfield, running the football predominantly. And they ran it when Atlanta knew they were going to run it. And that to me is huge progress for this offense. When, when the Steelers can run the ball, when the opposing defense knows they're going to run it, that's the sign of a good run game. And I'm not going to proclaim that they're there yet with their run game, but that was a huge sign of growth for them. So I was really pleased to see that. Absolutely. And that's what we've been asking for all season to have that run game, not just all season, maybe last season too, to be able to close out games. And we're seeing it more and more in the latter part of 2022. And that's nice to see. Now, let me ask you this question. And I kind of think that this whole, this game could have fallen apart if, the Atlanta Falcons had five more minutes because they had plenty of momentum, but the Steelers did have an opportunity to clamp down late in the game with that, with that coffin corner punt, amazing punt by Mr. Number six, Presley Harvin, the third, I don't know why I'm calling him Mr. Number six, but, and also then Minka's huge heads up play, but, Am I right? Do you think that uh, things were falling apart? Or you, do you think the Steelers had them right where they wanted them? I think the way the Steelers closed the game gave them a lot of confidence. Again, that drive on offense where I don't remember exactly where they started, but it was inside their own 20. And they drove the ball into Atlanta territory. Uh, I think they threw one pass there. They converted a third down throw on a, a short hitch to Deontay Johnson. But otherwise, it was almost almost all run game. And, and they did it out of pretty big personnel sets, 11 and 12 and uh, I think they even threw in some fullback stuff in there and, um, and, and they did it when, when Atlanta had an extra guy in the box. And, and I think that that probably gave the Steelers enough confidence to be now, had they gone three and out and had to punt the ball back to Atlanta. And now you give Atlanta the football around, you know, their own 40 yard line or so with three minutes on the clock, then that's a very different story. But, uh, but the Steelers were good all game long in, in with their pass defense. They were so good. They got Mar Marcus Mario to benched. I don't know if you saw that. Oh yeah, but, uh, yeah, he's done. They they yeah. killed us. They killed his career in Atlanta. Yeah. So, so, so as long as Atlanta was in a position where they didn't have enough time just to run the ball at the Steelers, I thought I think the Steelers were in pretty good shape. And hey, this is the reason you check out BTSC for all your Pittsburgh Steelers needs because Dave Schofield has been calling for that. He was calling for that all week, saying that if the Steelers beat them. Marriott is done, and so it was like uh, that's where I first heard it. And he's backing it up and the, the whole thing came true. So you definitely have to uh, always, when you see the stat geek somewhere, you see Dave's head on the, uh, on the thumbnail, you go to it, click on it and listen because he knows this stuff too. For sure. And there's uh, <laughs> been many times when I've been writing an article and, uh, and I've, and I've needed a number for something that I'm thinking about where I've uh, either texted Dave or looked up his stuff. So, 
he is uh he is the stat geek for a reason. He doesn't get dude of the week though. We're not giving him that to him. No, so, he's had too many of those already. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's done. Now let me ask you this. So this is the big question. A lot of people are very disappointed in I don't want to call them antics, but with the uh disappointment of George Pickens and showing said disappointment on the sidelines in his hometown. What do you make of that whole thing? I make absolutely nothing of it. I, I don't Thank think you. It, Thank yeah, you. I think a whole bunch of nothing. I mean, I, I, look, we, everybody wants these guys to be perfect. And, uh, and, and, and sometimes, you know, I, you've, you've heard me be critical of Deontay Johnson. I don't like some of his mannerisms and I don't like the way that he sometimes shows up as quarterback, but Deontay Johnson's four years into his NFL career right now. And, uh, and there, there comes a point where you would like to see guys evolve beyond some of the things that seem to stick with them, whether they're issues of professionalism or whether they're physical shortcomings, whatever it might be. So, but George Pickens is a young kid. And, uh, and like you just said, he's playing in his hometown. He had lots of family there. He wanted to show out for, for him and, and he just wasn't being targeted and uh, he let his frustration show. But I mean, man, if you microscoped every single football team in America, whether it's high school, college, or the pros, and, and all you did was point your camera to the, on the sideline, you would see that stuff every week. It's an emotional game. Got, you know, guys are fired up. Guys are, you know, young kids showing their emotion, wearing it on their sleeves. It's it's a it's a uh, a catch twenty two too. You, you know, as coaches, you're like, play with emotion, play with emotion, play with fire, play with passion. And, and then all of a sudden, the moment that, 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 you know, that steps over the line to the viewer, or at least in the estimation of the viewer, now suddenly the player's immature, the player's a diva. Uh, I, I think that there's just, uh, in this era where there, there, there seems to be a camera pointed at everybody all the time, it's almost like a gotcha culture where we're waiting for guys to mess up. And so... You know, so so people heard that maybe George Pickens was a bit of a diva at Georgia, and now they're just waiting for him to be that in Pittsburgh. When really, if we're being honest, he's been anything but. You know, he's been a guy that 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 is has been a hard worker, uh, with with really good production, and you know, he got a little bit frustrated. So hey, it happens, man. If you pointed a camera at any of us at work, right, <laughs> all day long when we're at work. You know, you followed us uh, like into into the office or into the break room. Uh, what would you see? Would you see us being perfect angels all the time, or would you see us let loose some frustration every once in a while? I mean, yes. I'm going to bet it's the latter. You'd see me with a few donuts, probably, um, <laughs> and maybe a nap. But yeah, you're absolutely right, and I'm thank you for saying that because I think the kid's getting a bad rap. But here's the problem in Pittsburgh: we have PTSD as fans. Um. And the reason we do is Antonio Brown messed up our the fan psyche for everything that happened, especially with the uh, with the shenanigans, with crying about not getting the ball, uh, things about that. Um, I remember being at the game in 2018 with Pat Mahomes put so many touch six touchdowns on them, but they go to Juju towards the end of the game and they had a chance to win that game and they're all celebrating and he's walking off the field, uh, going towards a Gatorade cooler and he's frustrated. So I think, I think we're, uh, really gun shy because of that. Yeah, I think you're right. That's a good example, but every situation is unique. Uh, what Antonio Brown did, 
has no bearings on who George Pickens is. Uh, and I feel as though I'd, I'd like, I'd like for, for people to be able to just step back a little bit and you know, fans are passionate and totally understandable, but just have a little, a little more patience and just let, let, let guys come into their own. Uh, you know, George Pickens came out after his junior year of college. He's 21, maybe 22 years old. And you and I've talked about this before, Brian, uh, if, if you were following us around with the camera when we were 21 years old, you'd see a lot of ugly stuff. Oh, yeah. I've, I only, uh, I shudder to think what would happen if I would have had, or my friends would have had cell phones back in the 1980s. That would have been really bad. Um, with that being said, let's go ahead and take a break. We are going to, Go ahead and just you know, listen to a sponsor. We'll be back right after this. And then we're going to talk about the Ravens, the Ratbirds coming to town. It's a Ratbird revolution. There's Lamar, but that doesn't mean that Ravens week is going to be Ravens week. We'll be back right after this on BTSC. It's here we go. The Steelers pregame show. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Ain't the worst looking man you've ever seen. And there I am on the subway train. Between two Welcome back to Here We Go, the Steelers pregame show. My name is Brian Anthony Davis. Alongside me is kt smith he is the coach and we are talking about steelers ravens it's ravens week and remember for all your pittsburgh steeler needs you gotta check out behind the steeler <laughs> behind the steel curtain.com earlier on today we had let's ride i had a chance to guest on let's ride i'm thrilled to be a part of that show it's the flagship show here on btsc as Jeff Hartman got us ready for Steelers Ravens and the entire NFL weekend last night, we had the Steelers preview before that. It was another fantastic episode of what Ian's talking about. We had a stat geek in there too. There's so much going on this weekend, whether it's touchdown under whether it's, we run the North, whether it's Tony Defio and the six pack, whether it's state of the Steelers and Daniel J returning from his Mika Fitzpatrick, appendectomy whether it's last minute thoughts with dave schofield you've got to check it out it's all kinds of good stuff to prep you for what could be the game of the year so far in 2022 so let's go ahead and talk about this game kevin there's no lamar jackson 
but we cannot go ahead and assume that this is going to be a cakewalk, can we? No, not at all. Uh, Tyler Huntley quarterbacked the Ravens in the season finale last year in a game that went to overtime and, and Baltimore rushed for 242 yards. So they can put up yards, I think, with, with you or me at quarterback. I mean, they just have that kind of a run game. And I know they love to run the quarterback, and Huntley's a good runner. The Steelers are pretty good at stopping the run. Um are stopping running quarterbacks in general. And they've been, uh, last week aside, pretty decent at, at stopping the run. So it's going to be a really interesting test. Uh, hey, a quick quick anecdote, Brian. Uh, you know, uh, Greg Roman's the offensive coordinator in, in Baltimore. And um, I actually actually coached the game against against Greg Roman back in 2008 when he was – Wow. Yeah, he was the offensive coordinator at Holy Spirit High School, which is uh, his alma mater. And it's right down the road from us here in, in Ocean City. and. And it's funny uh, what they were doing. They they ran power, which is power is uh, an old school, you know, concept where the guys on the front side are blocking down. You're blocking down. Somebody's kicking out the edge player, and and there's a backside guard wrapping up to block the linebacker. And every NFL team has run some ver- version of it, a variety of it. Uh, they used to kick out with an old school fullback. Now they do it with a tight end or a wide receiver because everybody's in eleven personnel, but. But Holy Spirit High School, and with Greg Roman was their offensive coordinator in 2008, they probably ran every conceivable version of power you could think of. They ran power from spread sets, double tight end sets, one back, two back, three backs, full house. They, you know, they they were doing everything that they could uh, to run the ball in the A gap and the B gap. Um, and they were good. They were they were a good private school, and uh, you know they beat us that day and. Uh, you know, was, I looked at the game afterwards and I, I didn't know, you know, I didn't know who Greg Roman was. He had coached. I know he had coached uh, in the NFL previously and had no idea who, what he would go on to do. But but I looked at their run game in the aftermath on film and I just kept thinking to myself, man, they do a great job getting an extra guy at the point of attack. They, they were constantly finding a way, motioning this guy, shifting that guy, figuring out how to get another blocker. Uh, where they wanted to run the ball to create an, a, an advantage. And, you know, you fast forward now 14 years and they're doing the same stuff. They're, they're doing it with obviously far greater athletes. They're doing it uh, in a different way because football has evolved in 14 years. They're, they're, they weren't running the quarterback uh, back in 2008 in high school, but, but they're running their quarterback a lot now in the NFL. But it's the same stuff. You're going to see the Ravens run every conceivable uh, gap play where they're blocking down and kicking out uh, or blocking down and re- and leaving a guy unblocked and reading him uh, and trying to run the ball up in the a gap. And then when the Steelers are collapsing down, they're going to have their quarterback pull the ball and run it to the edge. And they're going to do, you know, use a ton of smoke and mirrors with motions and shifts and all sorts of stuff. But at the end of the day, they're going to run the ball in the a gap and the B gap. And that means that the Steelers are going to have to be great inside. Uh, and they have been great inside. They got the dudes to do it. You know, Ogan Joby and Hayward have been excellent. And so if, if Baltimore can't do that, then they'll provide the illusion of doing that and pull the ball and run to the edge. So it's just interesting to see how Greg Roman's core philosophy has been in place for a long time, uh, regardless of whether he was coaching in high school or now in the pros. This defense of the Baltimore Ravens on paper, like 
if you would have listened to Know Your Enemy last night with Daniel Wilcox, former Raven, and now he's with Believe in Baltimore, he said that on paper, yeah, they they're great, but they're very frustrating with dropping leads and what has been happening, especially the last month with this team. I mean, on paper, they're, they're juggernauts. I, I, I think they're an all-star team. I think they're a track team on defense as well, but what would you think is the reason that they are not getting it done right now? That's a good question. They, they've had uh, some games get away with, away from them late. Their past defense has been shaky. They're, yeah, they're they're uh, second in the NFL defending the run, uh, but they're 25th defending the pass. And and while they're they've got 37 sacks, I mean they're they're getting after the quarterback. They're also giving up big plays. So the failure to protect late leads, um, you know, the occasional big play that they give up. The secondary still has the big names. You know, we recognize the a lot of the names that you know from those guys in the secondary, Marcus Peters and those guys, but uh, Chuck Clark, et cetera. But they're all getting up there in age a little bit, and um, and schematically, I think that they've you know to try to protect some leads, they've fallen back into some softer zones, and and then when they gamble and bring the blitz, if they don't get home, those guys haven't been able to hold up, which is why they've given up some of the big plays. So it'll be interesting. I mean, what I'm fascinated to to uh, think about what Matt Canada is going to try to do because the Steelers have been running the ball really well over the last month. Pittsburgh got a top five rushing offense in the NFL but they haven't faced a defense like Baltimore's over that stretch. And so strength on strength, Ravens run defense against Steelers run offense will be an interesting matchup. Will Canada decide that he's going to try to run the ball the way the Steelers have done the last few weeks, or will he look at Baltimore's biggest weakness, their secondary right now, or their pass defense and think that he can exploit that? How much will he put on Kenny Pickett's shoulders? That'll be an interesting chess match. Well, if you are right in the place for this game and you're up in the box and next to Matt Canada, what are you telling him that you think needs done in this game to penetrate Baltimore? Well, you got to try. I think you have to try to run the football. I mean, any, uh, I can't remember what the exact statistic is, but uh, I believe it's something along the lines of, you know, when, when Kenny Pickett has thrown the ball 32 times or more, the Steelers are 0 and 4. And when he's, uh, when, when they've, when he's thrown it less than that, they're three and oh. So, uh, I think that they need to, they need to not, um, you know, decide that they're going to reinvent themselves and say, Hey, you know, we're going to throw the ball 45 times. I think that's a recipe for disaster, but I think they have to pick their spots. I mean, if I'm advising Matt Canada, two things, one, I'm trying to formation George Pickens, uh, into advantageous spots. Uh, I think that one of the reasons Atlanta was able to take him away last week was they rotated their coverage to him and he was double teamed a lot because he was singled up on the ball away from the tight end, meaning you couldn't, you couldn't motion him at all. So he played the X receiver where he was stationary and it became a little bit easier for Atlanta to mess with the ways in which they were going to cover him. So I would try to move him around a little bit, formation him a little bit more to try to create some advantageous matchups maybe even play him in the slot a little bit and see if you can get him matched up on a, a strong safety. Um, and then you got to continue to feed Pat Fryermuth. He, he seems to get better every week. He seems to make a big play every week. Uh, last week, that 57-yard catch and run was a heck of an effort by him just to keep his balance after the initial contact and then, you know, take that ball down the sideline. Uh, the Steelers had a, a lot of, a lot of yak last week, a lot of yards after the catch. So that's another thing too, you know, 
see if you can get the ball to the Steelers in space early and let the receivers run. They've got some pretty talented uh, guys with the ball in their hands. So, so rather than run longer developing routes where you're pushing the ball deeper down the field, uh, I, I wouldn't. I'd like to see them again with you know Baltimore's pass rush, which is very good. See if you can get the ball out of the Steelers' hands a little quicker and run picks and rubs and motion concepts where you can uh, get them the ball quickly and let them catch it and run. Absolutely, that's great. One last thing to ask about the offense here: it's George Pickens. What kind of game do you think George? Pickens is going to have I'm not talking about we know his ability do you think they're going to make a concerted effort to feed him the ball more or do you think that they're just going to kind of mess around with that and uh, maybe play mind games with Baltimore I thought it was smart last week that that they didn't try to force the ball to Pickens because again Atlanta was rotating coverage to him and they and making a concerted effort to take him away which meant that some other guys were open and the Steelers took what was there and that's the smart approach. But at the same time, if Baltimore is vulnerable to some, some bigger plays and giving up some, some chunk plays, uh, then Pickens is, is probably your best guy to get them. And I think that you can try to, to formation him, uh, move him around to get matchups where you might be able to create those opportunities. So, so I think it's a sort of a happy medium, uh, a little bit between the two, you're not going to force Pickens the ball just, just to force him to football just to make sure that he doesn't have a, a temper tantrum on the sideline. I don't think that that will be the game plan. And I don't think that Pickens will do something like that, but at the same time, he, he, this is a good week for him matchup wise. So you do want to try to get him the ball. All right. That sounds fantastic. It's time once again for the dude of the week. Who do you got on your mind, Kevin? Uh, well, you know what? I've been waiting. I've been waiting to be able to, to, to award the dude of the week. I know who it is then. I, if you've been waiting, I know who it is. Go ahead. Okay. Well, I was just about to say, I've been waiting to award it to Najee Harris. Um, I don't know if if that's who you're thinking or not. No, no, it's, it's not. Okay, good, good. Uh, it'd be just simply because, you know, he, he last week, I thought it was the best he looked all, all year. I mean, he didn't have outrageous statistics, 86 yards on 17 carries, but I thought that he, uh, it was the best he looked in terms of both his physicality and his vision. I thought that he ran the ball uh, tough and with purpose, and I thought that uh, that he made some really good cuts. Um, the 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 straight arm smackdown uh, that he delivered to Atlanta's safety number twenty seven. I can't remember his name off the top of my head. Was was uh, it was absolutely epic. Um, so you know, it seems like Najee Harris is starting to you know look like the Najee Harris of his rookie season. That's pretty exciting. Who do you got? Well, I have got to go ahead and talk about this. For me, football is an emotional game. I, uh, You know how I talk about how all the time how I got into football just by watching the games with my dad, watching with my family. That's uh, Family got me into being in the Steelers, into the Steelers. And family is where I'm going this week. I've got to go the brothers Hayward. Yeah. Connor had his first touchdown reception his first NFL reception, excuse me, his first NFL touchdown. And he did it um, much in the way that his dad, Craig Ironhead Hayward had the, I know uh, there's been a lot online showing the two plays and how they looked eerily similar. And then you throw in the fact that Cam had a big sack, but Cam's biggest play, the best part about Cam 
not only the fact that he was he's up for Walter Payton Man of the Year this week, which is it's about time this man wins it, but the fact that he's crying on the sidelines, he's uh crying in a good way, and he is so emotional because you got to think that this guy has been a dad to Connor in the last eight years or so, nine years since uh since his dad's death. And actually, it's probably been more than that now. I think it was 2006. But he's had to be a dad to him. And this probably feels really special to him to be able to share this with his brother. So when it's all about family, I got to go the Hayward brothers. No, I'm with you. I like that one better. I like that one better. We got to start keeping track of this. We have to have, it'll be like, it'll be like sacks. They didn't record sacks before 1982. <laughs> you know, dudes, dudes of the week were not recorded before, uh, before December of 2022. Well, but. here's the good thing. I've, it's the magic of the archives here. We could go back and get these easily. This is Challenge true. accepted. This is true. Yeah. See, see who, who owns the most dudes of the week. All right. So Kevin, that's your assignment. Go back and listen to them. What it gives us a couple free downloads too. So you go do that. And <laughs> that'll be a homework assignment for my students. I'll put them on it. Oh, I'll sign can... them all. All right. all right. You got this one. You got this one. Can you do that? Uh, I got tenure. I can do whatever I want. Bro. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I'm going to start sending some stuff to them. Cause I need some help with research on, on some of these games. So uh, make me a list. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> all right, Kevin, um, final thoughts for the Steelers Ravens game. If you had to put a gut pick on it, where's your gut going? Uh, you know, it's going to be a great football game because they're, they always are. I, I, here's a great stat for you. In the last 20 meetings, the Steelers have won 11. The Ravens have won nine. So that's obviously really close. But the points, Baltimore has scored 441 points and the Steelers have scored 438 points. They're separated by three points over the last 20 meetings. That's That's pretty ridiculous. Uh, the Steelers have won four in a row, but they've been by five, four, three, and one point. So, you know, uh, it's going to be a close game. But I feel good about it. I feel I feel like this is a game the Steelers are, are going to win. I think they're playing good football, and and they, they get Baltimore at home. And, uh, you know, that doesn't mean a whole lot in this rivalry. But, the, you know, they're going to get Tyler Huntley, and I think they're going to be better prepared for him now than they were last year when they hadn't seen him before. Uh, so, you know, it's going to be a close game, but I can, I can definitely see something along the lines of a, you know, like a 17, 14, 2017 Steeler win. What about you? Well, first of all, I want to uh, commend you on that stat. That was fantastic with the score. I want to go one better on you. I want to actually, uh, try to, uh, up the ante on the stat. Do you realize in the history of this rivalry since September of 2000, excuse me, September of 1996, which was week two of that year. It has been the Steelers 1,145 to the Ravens 1,105. 40 points separate this team in history. Yeah, that's phenomenal. And and it feels that way. Too. Occasionally, you get a blowout. Occasionally. Uh, but, you know, the games you remember, maybe for the rematch show, we'll, we'll talk about some of our best Steeler-Ravens memories because, I mean, that could be a whole show unto itself. It's just incredible the memories that you have uh, from this rivalry. Well, then you need to check out and everybody needs to check out the BTSC DeLorean because this week it's the most memorable Steelers hosting the Ravens games. And we've got eight on there. So check them out. And I had to leave some off and it felt really dirty to leave some of these off. 
Yeah. And, uh, I feel, and, and this is exciting too, because it's the, it's a new chapter in the rivalry with Kenny Pickett at quarterback. And I was reading some of the things that Chuck Clark had to say about Kenny Pickett last, uh, uh, the other day. And he seems to be, you know, he seems to be impressed. He seems to think that, that, uh, that Kenny Pickett has a, uh, the look of a franchise quarterback. And the one thing he, he said that I thought really jumped out is, uh, he said, he, he really likes Kenny Pickett's demeanor, the way he carries himself on the field. And I think that that's a, a, a great compliment. Uh, a, a rookie who doesn't seem overwhelmed by the moment is a, a guy who you, know, you, you figure has got a really good head on his shoulders and is only going to get better. So if you can handle the mental and emotional part of the game, a lot of the physical stuff will come. So I thought that was a nice compliment. That is fantastic. And I love to hear those things about Kenny Pickett already. Let's just see what they're saying in five to 10 years. I think it's going to be fantastic. I think it's going to be epic. So, Kevin, thanks so much, my friend. Yes, sir. And uh, have a great week. Uh, Steelers fans, Ravens week, man. Terrible towels will be flying. It's, a, you know, it's one of the few weeks where I've mellowed as a fan. I don't, I don't get super emotional, especially as I'm watching the games now because I'm half, half writing articles and working on stuff as I do it. But this week there will be no... There will be no research going on. I'm going to be a pure, pure fan screaming and yelling like an idiot because it's that kind of a week. That's the way it's supposed to be. So we ask three things of all of you. We ask you to, of course, be safe to be true to yourself. You got to be you and three, always be behind the steel curtain. And let's throw one more in there. Keep your feet on the ground. And keep reaching for the hypocycloids. Kevin, it was a pleasure. That was a great show. Thank you so uh, much. Cool. All right, man. Thanks, All right, Brian. Buddy, I'll talk okay. to you. Yep. Bye. I'll see you. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. 
ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.